On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Got a favorite Kate Bush song that you just want to leave a couple of thoughts on? Well, you can call our hotline at any time, and your thoughts might be played on a future episode. That number is 1-757-349-6886. That's 1-757-349-6886. Hope to hear from you soon. Strange Phenomena now has a Patreon page. If you would like to support the show, then you can visit patreon.com slash katebushpodcast to see what wonderful rewards we're offering for your support of the show. Thank you. And now, on with the show. The Dreaming is my absolute favorite Kate Bush album. A lot of people say Hounds of Love, which is not wrong, but I personally like The Dreaming a little more because it's just so, there's nothing quite like it. As no doubt you've we've heard on your show, and so you load up Lord of the Reedy River, which I didn't even do until like ages after I'd gotten the Kate Bush and I'd gotten like the uh, it was on one of the compilations. I think I heard the song first, one of those uh, sets of just all the compilations, these little assorted singles and whatnot, and you just go into it, and all you hear is this totally haunting like synthesized flute. Yeah. Doot, doot. Dude, I, I was listening to the original song. It's just like this folk ballad. This mm-hmm. Donovan, just a, just a nice calm strumming on his guitar. A real late '60s, early '70s folk tune about swans, of all things. But and it's got a neat quality to it and all. But Kate Bush just turns it into this weird thing. <laughs> Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I'm Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about the first B-side for the Dreaming album, the B-side for the lead single, Sat in Your Lap, a cover of the Donovan song, Lord of the Reedy River. I fell in talk about the song this week is hi you can call me fresno cool (laughs) and we're calling up to where are you from fresno uh newfoundland Mm -hmm. so you're in that funky time zone where you're 90 minutes ahead of me which is a little bit weird i'm like it's usually like right on the hour but no it has to be 90 minutes (laughs) yeah that's uh that's wild when you think about it but that's where i am in the weird world what better place to talk about such a weird song? I know. So 
Um, Fresno, what is your history with this song? Like, why is this and why is this B-side, which Kate Bush didn't even write? Why is this a notable song for you? Well, because it comes from one of my personal favorite periods of her career where she was just going, let's say Gonzo Wild with albums like Never Forever and The Dreaming, where she was really just getting her creative voice and just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck, as it were. Because mm-hmm. The Dreaming is my absolute favorite Kate Bush album. A lot of people will say Hands of Love, which is not wrong, but... I personally like the dreaming a little more because it's just so there's nothing quite like it as no doubt you've we've heard on your show. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) And so you load up Lord of the Reedy River, which I didn't even do until like ages after I'd gotten the Kate Bush and I'd gotten like the, uh, it was on one of the compilations. I think I heard the song first, one of those uh, sets of just all the compilations, these little, assorted singles and whatnot and you just go into it and all you hear is this totally haunting like synthesized flute yeah doot doot i I was listening to the original song it's just like this folk ballad that's Mm -hmm. done just a just a nice calm strumming on this guitar a real late 60s early 70s folk tune about swans of all things but and it's got a neat quality to it and all, but Kate Bush just turns it into this weird thing. That she does. <laughs> she makes I... it, it's very sparse. I mean, other than just those synthesized flutes and a little bit of water sound, which we'll get into, like, when I was reading about the production of this song, there's a little bit of water sounds where it sounds like she's floating on a river and her voice and like some whispering stuff at the very, very end after she sings, I fell in love with a swan. There's like, kind of thing. Yeah. Who knows what that is. And there's really not a whole lot to this song. And it's an interesting flip side for a song that has nearly everything going on in it, you know? Exactly. And what I love is that it is a cover, but what she does with it, if you go back and listen to the original, it's very detached because the guy's singing, she fell in love with a swan, but Kate takes it and makes it personal. I mm-hmm. fell in love with a swan. So she just takes it and sort of makes it her own, puts it into her perspective. And now you're seeing through your eyes made of feathers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is really some interesting stuff. She does, she takes it and she just makes it her own. It's uh a pretty literal way to make a cover, actually. <laughs> so. so what sort of stuff about the production was there? Um, there's actually a bit in um, Under the Ivy. So the biography of Kate Bush written by Graham Thompson, who you guys That's will remember. Really good, it's they, a really good book. That it is. And also I got to interview him for the last episode of the Kick Inside season, which was pretty cool. Like, oh, oh my gosh. that's amazing. Yes, I did. Because oh. he said he wanted to, I actually reached out to him to, to see if he wanted to talk on the show. And he did. And so I got to talk with him for the Kick Inside title track. Well, he says in here, on a cover of Lord of the Reedy River, one of the first things she and Nick Lonay recorded 
specifically intended for the B-side to sat in your lap. She wanted to sound like she was floating down a river as she sang, like some doomed heroine trapped in a pre-Raphaelite painting. So she descended to the disused swimming pool in the basement of the townhouse studios in order that her voice could be recorded reflecting off the water. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Now, that is some dedication to detail. Yeah. And, yeah, as you guys will remember with Nick Lanay, well, she first worked with Hugh Padham, but Nick Lanay was the main engineer for The Dreaming. And he was just starting out in his career, kind of as, as was she, and they would just come up with all sorts of crazy stuff, all the crazy stuff that we love about everything on The Dreaming. Like, oh, what if we try this sound? What if we try that thing? What if we do this? What if we do that? that that's that's exactly just why I love The Dreaming, because it's so wild. Uh, that That story... Yeah just speaks to me like okay yeah normal brain you're gonna record your song in the booth oh here's kate bush i'm gonna get in the middle of a swimming pool and float on the water so the echoes bounce off the water and make it sound more authentic yeah i mean you know we love kate but you know she can be pretty literal and you know this is also from the same woman who you know had to figure out how to be mic'd up to sing and dream of sheep because she wanted to be able to sing it in freezing cold water to actually be that character. Good lord. But, but yeah, it does have this kind of like she has a different quality in her voice. I've noticed in this song where it starts to get a little bit deeper and it's probably cuz she she they recorded her singing her voice going off the water and so that just gives it a different different sound to her voice. I can't quite explain it, but it's just it does sound like she's kind of floating down this river and we just were privy to this moment where she's watching this love just disappear you know mm. it's uh definitely a striking image in your head as you listen to it all accentuated by just that flute which it definitely brings you right into the 80s that's for sure <laughs> it does but it uh, it fits the song like and it's it's not even playing chords it's just playing like just da 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 it's almost like she like somebody went over to the keyboard they sampled this sound of a flute because i'm assuming this was recorded using the fairlight and just went over and just started playing like some of the notes that would have made up these chords but it, it also fits with, like, the original song. Because, I mean, the original song you know, was by Donovan, who, you know, for me, I only know him as the guy who sang Catch the Wind because that's my one of my top favorite songs ever, ever, ever. And, yeah, his version is very calm. It's just, ah, she fell in love with the song. It's just so soft, you know? It's just a soft little folk ballad. Like, uh, the one I saw was just, you know peak 60s he's just playing in a room full of like mod teens just sitting there strumming his guitar people are relaxing chilling out having cigarette cigarettes and just it's just this relaxing little ditty on his guitar and kate comes along and what in the world mm -hmm. this is from an interview by ian birch from around june 1981 um, this is What I Did on My Holidays by Kate Bush. 
And it says about this song, a song written by Donovan, the wispy folk rock minstrel who reigned during the 60s. Originally, she couldn't decide whether to do a Donovan or a Captain Beefheart composition, but the former won the day after a number of odd events. Like the evening, she was half watching the Crystal Gale show on telly and half discussing the dilemma when, lo and behold, Donovan appeared as Crystal's guest. Guest star. It was like he was planted in my room, exclaimed Kate. I couldn't believe it. Hmm. Now that's uh, that's some serendipity there. Mm-hmm. I think I looked up the same thing. I, I believe it said that Donovan actually did some backing vocals for mm-hmm. this cover. So as Kate is creating this haunting cover of a Donovan song, you have the mirror of it. And Donovan himself is haunting the song. He, yes, he is. I wonder if that's him at the end. The kind of it sounds like he's saying uh, sheesh or uh, something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is actually from uh, I got this from Gaffa.org. Um, somebody says here. Yesterday, I met a friend who showed me a magazine called Donovan's Friends Number no. One, an official Donovan publication. It's from around eighty-two and eighty-three, and contains the following brief Kate interview. Kate Bush meets the Lord of the Reedy River. Quote, among many others, but in my opinion, none have matched Kate Bush for her stunning version of the Lord of the Reedy River. Kate gave the song a new angle and her interpretation was very highly imaginative. Not a lot of people are aware of the fact that Donovan himself sings the harmony vocals on her version. So with the help and cooperation from Lisa of the Kate Bush fan club, I asked Kate how it all came about. As this is the only cover version she has ever put to vinyl, although granted she did put out stuff later, but this was 82, 83. Quote, I had recorded Sat in Your Lap, and at the time I never had anything to go on the B-side. And I can remember at the time seeing Donovan on the TV. I hadn't seen him on the telly in nearly eight years, and there he was on quite a few programs. It seemed everywhere I looked there was Donovan. It was a very strange feeling. Something seemed to point me in his direction. Then I started to play HMS Donovan, which is my all-time favorite album. It was then I decided to record Lord of the Reedy River because it's such a beautiful song. So I phoned a Donovan up and asked him for his permission to record the song. And he was so nice about it all that I asked him if he would like to do some harmony vocals. And he said yes, and of course he did. That's lovely. I know. It's interesting, though, that with all this talk about haunting, that Kate herself seemed haunted by Donovan. Like, everywhere she went, she was thinking, should I, get Do- should I do a cover of a Donovan song? It's just, here's Donovan on the TV. Here's Donovan in the magazines. Donovan, Donovan. I mean, you could say it's a strange phenomena, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I it's had to put that in there. It's the name of the show. Exactly. <laughs> just like all these coincidences, you know, all these things oh. happening. Yeah, that's that really speaks to me on a lot of levels, too. But... Oh, I actually found this interesting quote here um, where somebody... It says it's marked as an unknown source, but it's from Gaffa.org. Um, the interviewer, this is from a BBC interview in 1980. Um, the interviewer says, It's unbelievable. He, Donovan, was one of Britain's leading hit-making solo stars of the 60s and a great international artist. And now it's almost as though he'd never existed. And she says, It's ridiculous. I can't see, stand to see that happen to people, especially someone like him. One of my favorite albums of his is HMS Donovan, which I think has been deleted now, which is even more ridiculous. And it's beautiful. Fantastic illustrated cover, a double album, and each song is either a fairy tale or something he's written to other people's words. He's used Blake's poems. He's used some Lewis Carroll, a big selection of fantasy stuff. 
and one of my favorite tracks from there, which he actually wrote himself to his own music, is Lord of the Reedy River. Ooh. He did Blake and Lewis Carroll? That's, that's wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dang. I, I, it almost makes me want to check this Donovan guy out just to see what kind of stuff he pulled. Because, I mean, you want to talk Gonzo, Blake... Yeah, Donovan. He was born Donovan Phillips Leach, May 10th, 1946. He is from Maryhill, Glasgow, Scotland. He developed an eclectic and distinctive style that blended folk, jazz, pop, psychedelia, and world music, notably Calypso. He has lived in Scotland, Hertfordshire, London, California, and since at least 2008 in County Cork, Ireland with his family. And an interesting movie connection with him is that he has had five children. One of them is an actress named um, Aona, Aona Skye, who is the love interest or was the love interest in the movie Say Anything, which everybody knows is like, oh, yeah, that's the movie with uh, John Cusack holding up the uh, holding up the boombox to In Your Eyes from Peter Gabriel. Hey, and Peter Gabriel. Wow, we, we really are just going full circle with the Kate Bush because you can because mm-hmm. you know Peter Gabriel Kate Bush it's like oh seriously <laughs> super easy nice and one yeah. way you do that is the Fairlight which gave us this uh, haunting synth hey there we go I know <laughs> yeah he's still around he's he did yeah he did a lot of a lot of albums in the 60s and going into the 70s looks like he kind of tapered off in hits starting about the late 60s early 70s his last album it was called shadows of blue released in 2013 and it's been kind of hit or miss the last couple 10 year 20 years uh acted in a couple of movies he was himself in a futurama episode apparently uh-huh. and just still occasionally like tours the world and Puts out, puts out stuff, plays specials throughout the world. And his stuff still gets played on oldies radio. Every time I go visit my parents and they have the oldie station on, I'll hear one of his songs. I'm like, oh, yeah. I never hear this one, though, because this wasn't a hit. Uh, no, but good for him, though. He's still doing his thing. That's, that's nice. She fell in love with a swan. Her eyes were filled with feathers He filled her with song In the reedy river In the reedy river She and her boat Long In his royal plumage She threw him some flowers In the reedy river Before the Donovan version, there was somebody else who got to sing this song first. 
Mary Hopkin is best known for the song Those Were the Days, which was a hugely popular song in the late 60s. On her very first album, which was produced by Paul McCartney, there was a mixture of folk tunes and pre-rock and roll standards. I myself picked up a copy of that album on vinyl, actually. I had never even heard of her, but I thought the cover looked interesting, and so I thought, oh, okay, I'll buy it. And on that album, the first track, at least on the UK pressing, um, since then they've put her big hit, Those Were the Days, as the first track, followed by this one. On the UK original version was Mary Hopkin singing Lord of the Reedy River. And her version, as you'll hear from this clip, is pretty similar to the Donovan version. It's very chill, very light, very folk. And that's, you know, that was her bread and butter was singing folk songs. So here's a clip of Mary Hopkins singing Lord of the Reedy River. this is the first cover that she has released I mean she she did I mean this has never been officially released but um, Kate did record The Magician I mean nobody else had sung that song but she didn't write it and I, I know I think I'm pretty sure she did uh, with the, the Kate Bush band back when she was singing the bars with her brother and all those people mm-hmm. she did come together by the Beatles yeah, she did come together and and, and um, under the ivy. It was said they also did some of the other hits of the time, like Honky Tonk Woman, which would just be interesting for me to hear Kate, young Kate Bush singing Honky Tonk Woman. <laughs> but, oh, my gosh. But, I mean, this is kind of the first like, officially released cover. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time she's gone, okay, this is somebody else's song, and I'm going to go in and make it my own, which I always admire artists who do that sort of thing. Like, a lot of artists just do, like, a straight karaoke version, and it just it bores me. I go, no, do your own thing with it. No, this, this definitely, she makes it hers, in a way. To a degree that the Donovan one's like, okay, that's nice, but the Kate one's just so much more fascinating to me. It is. And especially, mm. like, you were talking about with her changing the pronouns. Mm. It suddenly becomes, like, a more personal song in that respect, even though she didn't write it. Mm-hmm. But she makes it her own, quite literally. Yeah. It's and real good. Yeah, it is. And I have to admit that myself, I know of Don- some of Donovan's other songs. Like, I looked into the original of this one for the show, 
And I've heard several several of his other big hits from the 60s, like Sunshine Superman, Mellow Yellow, which I can totally hear in my head. And this is probably in your head right now. If I'm oh, my Mellow gosh. Yellow. He did that? Yes, he called me Mellow Yellow. Yeah, my, he was Mellow Yellow. Oh, my gosh. But my favorite of his, though, is Catch the Wind. And that's just something I'll even pull out during one of my own shows because people don't expect, like, oh, somebody doing a piano version of that. And it's usually a dude in guitar song, but no, it's a girl in piano singing it. And so there you go. It was Keeping that to... same Kate tradition alive there, taking a exactly. Donovan song and, hey, I'm going <laughs> to twist it in a way you didn't think you'd see coming, but I'm going to do it. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. It's wild that this is the uh, companion piece to Sat in Your Lap, which yes. is just frantic. That was the first Kate song I ever heard. So, well, well, well I'd heard Wuthering Heights before, but this is when I was really trying to get into her good friend of mine said, you should totally try Kate Bush here. Just just spin this album. Mm-hmm. And so I throw on the dreaming and, you know, sat in your lap has this manic energy to it. And then, well, if you're in 81 listening to the record and you're listening to the B-side, you go from that to just do, 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 do. Such a contrast. <laughs> surprised that at the time that sat in your lap was recorded with it being the first single for the dreaming and it coming out almost a like a year and a, almost a year and a half before the album came out that she, I know with sat in your lap she put it out immediately so that people could hear her new sound and that oh wait it just took a little bit longer to do this album than she thought and so at the time she probably hadn't even started writing any other songs she just had this one and then okay, uh, cricket, cricket, what do I do? And then, yeah, and then this comes about. There you go. So, hmm. Is so a... this is really the early uh, steps of the throw it against the wall and see what sticks mm-hmm. mantra that makes the dreaming what it is. Like, you, like you can definitely see the uh, throw line from haunting synth to, say... I don't know, answering machines or that donkey thing that ends the album. Mm-hmm. Just to name a few weird bits of the dreaming that I love. I was, I, I kind of, the song reminds me a tiny bit of Delia's Song of Summer, probably just like the, I, like 
because with Delius, when she did the video for that song, she was dressed as a swan. And in here, she, you know, I fell in love with a swan. She's talking about swans and flying. And of course, she has so many songs about flying. Especially, I mean, she didn't write these lyrics. You know, two swans glide and fly in the reedy river. These lyrics are very mysterious, too. I'm just kind of looking at these as we're talking. Yeah. They're, I know she didn't write these words, but they're so beautiful and evocative. I mean, they were when Donovan was uh, crooning them, but mm. Kate, just being Kate, gives them this added weight. I'm not even entirely sure what the song is about, but it honestly doesn't matter that much to me. It's just you go into the song for the atmosphere and for the contrast of the clatter of sat in your lap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I originally heard it divorced from that, but I mean, I can hear sat in your lap in my head and just imagining going from that to this is mm -hmm. stunning, really. Just a stunning contrast. I mean, even the album does that, too. When you go into, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it, the, 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 the safe song, the second song in the Dreaming. Oh, um, There Goes the Tenor. There Goes the Tenor, that's the one. <laughs> even that's a little way more downplayed. It's not haunting, but it's just way more mellow than sat in your lap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so even in the finished product, when she actually got the album together, she... Uh, Definitely went went for that contrast again on the full record. Mm -hmm. Just a song. Of course, this is far more evocative and haunting than "There Goes a Tenor," but and not to hate on "There Goes a Tenor," but this is just wild. It's also, I think, part of what makes this such a haunting song is not just the pretty sparse production, but I'm going to music nerd here for a little bit. The, the way the melody is written, especially, is, like, especially on the first line, is chromatic. Like she's, going, just, she's just stepping down slightly to the next note. You know, da, 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 da. So if, it gets this kind of like unresolved sort of feeling and you don't hear that kind of chromatic movement in a lot of pop music or just music in that a lot of people know about, things tend to resolve and, and everything. And even in this, when you know, in the reedy river, like it's, it's very minor too. And so if you got the chromatic movement of the melody, you got the minor way that the lyrics move, which are very common in folk songs, like it's no wonder she took to this because I mean, folk music is part of her sound. That goes back, like, to the real early days, huh? All right, so anything else we want to add about Lord of the Reedy River? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Me neither, because, well, she didn't write it. It's a pretty simple song. <laughs> There's a lot going on to it, but we've... Uh, touched most of the bases, I think. I think so. Very mm. much. Pretty good tune. Uh, real haunting, really. The melody sticks in your head and it's just otherworldly in a way. Mm -hmm. I really like it. Me too. I really do too. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show this week to talk about Lord of the Reedy River. It's good to talk to you about uh, this beautiful song. Oh, my goodness. It's wonderful. Thanks for having me. Mm. Now, where can people find you online if they agree with what you have to say about Lord of the Reedy River? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Freezing Inferno if you are so inclined. for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. We have one more B-side episode to go for the dreaming season. Next week, we're going to be talking about a French language song, a French original called Ne t'en fuis pas, a song that, well, because it's French and sometimes it has funky spelling, tends to get a little bit mangled, but of course we'll get to talk about that next week. So join us for another B-side next week. Now, if you, there is something else about this week's song that we didn't get to in our discussion, you can find me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, on Facebook, facebook.com slash katebushpodcast, and on the web, kbcast at linkmedia.com and kbcast.linkmedia.com. And as always, that is link with an E. So we'll see everybody next week for the last B-side episode of The Dreaming Season, where we're going to talk about Neton Fuipa. See everybody then. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.